We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. everyone, welcome to another episode of Red and Buried Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Frankie. And we have the fabulous Alexandra Benedict with us today. Hi. Absolute honour and privilege to be here. (laughs) The honour and privilege is all ours, I think. You'll find, actually. Yeah. And you've brought Christmas to us, which is a lovely treat. I I like to bring a little bit of gothic Christmas. Black and white Mm. stripes and lipstick are my general look anyway. So it's easy to festive that up with some baubles. And, and if I shake my head a lot, there's little bells. So I'm like a, I'm like a little fairy. Oh, come to... I love oh. it. It's very Tim yes. Burton. I appreciate it mm, very excellent. much. Very good. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of dark Christmases, let's get into your bio okay. that I've got here for you. I'm sure many people listening already know who you are, but just in case they don't, let's okay. talk about it. Let's go through this. Okay. <clears throat> Alexandra, brackets AK, Benedict, is a best-selling, award-winning writer of short stories, novels and scripts. Educated at Cambridge, Sussex and Clown School, Alexandra has been an indie rock singer, an actor, RLF fellow and composer for film and TV, as well as teaching and running the prestigious MA in crime thrillers at City University. She is now a full-time writer and creative coach. As A.K. Benedict, she writes acclaimed short stories, high-concept novels, and award-winning audio drama for Big Finish, Audible UK, Audible US, and BBC Sounds. Her previous Christmas mysteries, The Christmas Murder Game and Murder on the Christmas Express, were both bestsellers. Her latest Christmas mystery, I I wrote that in myself, and I, thank you. Uh, I mean, it wasn't in roll off the tongue quite how I anticipated, but we we carry on. Is the Christmas Jigsaw Murders, which is out now. On the 1st of December, renowned puzzle setter, loner and Christmas sceptic Edie O'Sullivan finds a hand-delivered present on her doorstep. Unwrapping it, she finds a jigsaw box and inside six jigsaw pieces. When fitted together, the pieces show part of a crime scene. Blood splattered, black and white tiles and part of an outlined body. Included in the parcel is a message. Four, maybe more, people will be dead by midnight on Christmas Eve, unless you can put all the pieces together and stop me. It's signed, Rest in Pieces, which is great, by the way. Thank you very much. Very, very good. <laughs> Edie contacts her nephew, D.I. Sean Brand O'Sullivan, and together they work to solve the clues. When a man is found near death with a jigsaw piece in his hand, Sean fears that Edie might be in danger and shuts her out of the investigation. As the body count rises, however, Edie knows that only she has the knowledge to put together the killer's murderous puzzle. Only by fitting all the pieces together will Edie be able to stop the killer and finally lay her past to rest. Outside of writing, Alexandra lives on the south coast of England with writer Guy Adams, their daughter Verity and their adorable dog Dame Margaret Rutherford, which is amazing also. (laughs) As well as being a very talented writer and lovely person, she also has excellent taste in shoes. <laughs> I should add that to my bio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it makes sense. It's what it says. So, you know. <laughs> it's there. I've just got some new shoes. Um, yeah. Oh, are they nearby? That's... Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I love a regular choice. <gasps> wow. Oh, my goodness. It's got a little wow. train on it. It's got snow globe it. heels. 
They were basically made for you, the Christmas train. The Christmas shoe elves have served you well. Thank you, Christmas shoe elves. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So generous. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So you are an incredibly busy, Mm. prolific, Mm. talented person. What got you into this magical, weird, crazy world of crime writing, and particularly with a Christmas lens? I don't know quite how I got into crime. But uh, like for all criminals, it it starts when you think you're going to live a a straight life. You're going to live an interestingly boring, normal life. And and then you're suddenly a criminal and and your life is gone to... These things happen. It just happens. I Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a writer or a singer or an actor or something artistic generally. And I've sort of played with lots of different artistic fields, but... Being a writer suits me more than any of them, really, because I get to be at home more. Mm. I'm a proper introvert. And so going and performing, it's really fun and I love it, but it really tires me out. So writing, I get to do some performance like like this or (laughs) going to festivals, but then I can have fun and then retreat and make up worlds in my head uh, <laughs> but I didn't think I'd be a crime writer I, lo- I loved all kinds of books when I was growing up so I would read Dickens next to Angela Carter Roald Dahl's ghost stories and horror stories next to Enid Blyton or Inez Bit. so I, I started reading Agatha Christie when I was eight so that's probably a big influence but mm-hmm. My first novel, The Beauty of Murder, is a mix of crime, horror and fantasy because it's about a time-travelling serial killer and a philosopher trying to track him down. And they just put it in the crime section. So as soon as as you get put in that section, then I became a crime writer. But I don't think that was ever my intention. I just love stories and writing books. And I love crime as a genre. So so here I am, and I love my my criminal. Uh, well, it's not quite a fraternity because it's sorority and fraternity, whatever you call it. When there's all of us together, a gang, Ooh, gang, a mob, <laughs> mob. That's it. I love my mob. <laughs> I guess also, obviously, you like the dark side. Mm-hmm. You can indulge that right through crime writing. Absolutely, I I am a real mix of gothic macabre. Um, spookiness and just a, a general ridiculous perkiness. Uh, some might say annoying. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm autistic, so I I've got a real kind of childlike joy thing. Yeah. But also uh, a real appreciation of otherness and outsiderdom. So yeah. uh, I think I think writing darker fiction in generally really big, sort of brings out both sides of me. Mm. Yeah, I very much appreciate it. I like it very much. It's good. I like your style. And so what what do you think it is about this uh, kind of subgenre that's emerged of the Christmas crime yeah. story? Obviously, crime, like horror, as you said, like the Christmas ghost stories existed for years, but now it feels like it's got a distinctly crime lens on it. Like, what? why do you think that is? Like, where has this come from? Um, it's, it's fascinating because a few of my friends wrote Christmas crime five, ten years ago. Susie Holiday and Tammy Cohen yeah. um, and I love their books generally but they're great Christmas books but they didn't hit in in the way that Christmas books are now 
So when the Christmas murder game came out two years ago, there weren't any other Christmas books on the market wow. at all at that point. And it came out as people were starting to buy books again. Lockdowns mm -hmm. were properly stopping and Christmas was coming. And I think people wanted a combination of something that felt cosy, but had a little bit of catharsis from the darkness that had been through the pandemic. So it feels mm -hmm. like a kind of perfect winter storm where people's desire for the light and the dark at once hit. Um, and I was yeah. the very lucky uh, recipient of it. But my, my editor was the one who came to me and said, I think the time is right now for a Christmas crime. So it was her that said, I think the market needs this. She mm. called me in 2020 when there was when we were in lockdown and said, I'd like you to write a Christmas crime. Go and do it. <laughs> she, she sort of anticipated it. Uh, so Catherine Armstrong, she is a, a seer within publishing. I know Catherine. She's amazing. Isn't she amazing? She's the best. I love yep, her so much. She's awesome. And she's a brilliant editor. So that's down to her. And then, and then I think publishers went, okay, people are enjoying Christmas crime. And so that means that more people get to do it. So I, I get to have fun with um, my festive crime fellows. Yes. Love that. Where did the idea for... The Christmas jigsaw murders come from. Are you a jigsaw lover? I am a jigsaw lover. Um, I'm, I'm doing a. I'm just point over there as if you can see. Um, I'm doing a, a Dracula one at the moment. Um, <gasps> Amazing. And then cool. I've got an Agatha Christie one to do next. But I, I find jigsaws really therapeutic and soothing. Mm. So I was doing one about eighteen months ago and was really stressed and was just putting things down and trying to think about plots and things. And I thought about how doing jigsaws was a lot like both plotting a book and solving a murder. So I then went, wait a minute, OK, what if someone used jigsaws both as a way to solve a murder, but also to give clues? And, and it came very quickly then, this image of a partial crime scene. And I thought, OK, there's a premise. Boom. Just and do I, it. <laughs> and, and I basically gave, gave that to Catherine and she said, yeah, go on. <laughs> off you go <laughs> i appreciate so yes I, th I think because the premise is strong that there there is an outline of a body and you have to find the rest mm. it becomes easy once there's something that you can start from probably yeah. not that easy but oh okay you easy might be selling it slightly <laughs> you've got, if you've got the corners it helps exactly. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah you just need to find the edges of the book exactly <laughs> as someone Similar to you, I'm an Agatha Christie lover. We both are, but I'm a big fan. Uh, and I love the fact that this book engages, as a reader, engages your crime-solving skills and makes you part of the process. I love that interactive element to it. That must have been hard to craft, though. No? Because you're a genius, that's why. <laughs> um, that, yeah. that bit is really, really easy and fun because I, I, I've always done it in my books, but I haven't told anyone. So there are a lot mm. of kind of hidden things in my other book where I was kind of just playing a game with myself and <laughs> uh, just sort of entertaining myself while doing the hard work of writing. So and then when I wrote the Christmas murder game, I said to Catherine, because it's a specifically a game, how about I include games for the readers as well? Because I do that already. And she went, yeah, why not? And, and then it's kind of grown from there because people really responded to it. Even if it was just to say, I, I couldn't do the anagrams, but I loved trying to find them. Or they read it again 
in order just to find them. And it feels like it's connected to people um, in a way I didn't expect it at all. That's amazing. I think as well, like right now, Myrtle is super popular. And it's just right now, I think people just want to use their brains a bit Mm. and in a fun, exciting, murder-solving sort of way. Absolutely. It's uh, <laughs> And you don't have to. That's the good thing, is that you, if you cannot do it, it doesn't matter at all. So if mm. you fancy just playing along, then you can. Or you can look at the answers at the end of the book and, and then go back again, um, which is what I'd probably do. To be honest, not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I like having fun and feeling like um, it's a process with, with readers. It makes yeah. translators yeah. hate me, though. <laughs> oh, I bet. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> tricky. Ooh. Tricky, tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a puzzle for them to solve. So you're just, it's just I mean, part of the game. They should thank me, shouldn't they? They should thank you for the extra fun you've added into the process <laughs> for them. How nice of you. <laughs> so fortunate. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your writing process specifically we always like to ask what you enjoy most and least i I enjoy um the bit before you put words in it Um, (laughs) (laughs) the ideas are the things that make me fizz most um so coming up with the concepts the characters Mm. while it's still just as lots of people say while it's perfect while it's up here it exists in this perfect world and then you start putting words on and you find the clothes that words don't quite fit properly or and I kind of get that although I really enjoy making sentences that I I enjoy saying out loud and uh, I like that kind of thing it's really the days when it's a real slog that I don't enjoy mm-hmm. which is probably the same for everyone but there are days when getting 20 words out or not losing 20 200 2000 words is a good day generally they comes between 30 and 60000 words that's the um the wall the absolute wall that you have to just yeah yeah slowly trudge through like setting concrete and then and then it's fun again so the beginning yeah. is fun the end is fun the ideas are fun the middle bit rarely fun <laughs> <laughs> are you um do you have a sort of goal of i want to write x number of words a day or do you take it a little bit more organically um it's more organic in that i will procrastinate for as long as possible <laughs> yeah so Ideally, it's be very sensible and little and often and, uh, you know, starts off with just do 250 words a day and before long you'll have a novel and then time just noms away and then it's okay, let's do a thousand words a day and, and then you'll have a novel <laughs> in three months. And, and it gradually goes down into panic stations and all nighters. <laughs> I, I wish I were not as ADHD in this area, but I am and I try and accept it. Whilst not killing myself, which I do, I do get make myself really ill by just oh. hyper focusing at the end. Yeah, well, I was going to say as well, it must be really hard to pull an all nighter doing something like writing because you have to actually be engaged, right? Kind of, but I, I annoyingly, I haven't found my writing was any worse. Um, <laughs> that's good. I'm not saying it's good, that's a compliment it's not any worse. <laughs> so, because like, you kind of switch your brain off, and then the subconscious takes over. And often that's when the most um, fluent and fluid writing takes place. When I'm not got that critic on my shoulder saying, terrible, remove that. That's awful. But you can't do yeah. that when you're just in this zone. So in some ways it's really good, which doesn't help my excuses <laughs> in any way. No, no. 
I have to say as well, it, it's kind of reassuring though, as somebody who has written as many books as you have and as you've been, you know, you work in crime writing and you are obviously a very well-established, talented writer. Even you have those voices of doubt in your ear oh, yeah. still. Oh, permanently. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the, the thing that can really stop writers writing for good is that the the fear of what people will say, the fear of not being as good as you want to be, not getting where you want to it not being as good as your last thing it it is there all the time and it, just to try and get beyond that critic is is part of the day's spoons is used up on mm. yeah yeah nodding away like 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 you both know <laughs> well, well not writing but <laughs> it applies to lots and lots of different things you know it's, it's yeah anything. yeah yeah exactly it really does for the record I don't think you've anything to worry about. Obviously, you're a very talented <laughs> writer. You're doing pretty well, I think. <laughs> shut up, stupid voices. You're shut right. Up. That's what I yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, shut up. Don't make me come in there. <laughs> and let's talk a bit about your characters. Edie, mm. I love the juxtaposition, very fancy word, Lovely. between, uh, thank you very much, uh, Edie and Sean, mm. where like Edie's like a skeptic and she hates Christmas. And, that, and then you've got Sean, who is just a it's little elf. Little elf on a shelf. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> which character would you say which was the most fun to write, or did you like writing the differences? I, I love um, the juxtaposition this between them. So, I think I I love Edie so much, but I am more like Sean. Um, <laughs> I, I am the kind of gleeful um, elf who starts Christmas the minute that um, Day of the Dead is done. So that that yeah. I am I am on it. I, I am covering the house. So um And yourself. And myself. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas jumpers are on. Uh Love yes, it. I get funny looks though. That's fine. Edie's uh Scroogeness, Scroogity <laughs> is incredibly fun to write. That that mm-hmm. kind of uh, skepticism, cynicism, fear. It's both it's both fun and a kind of it's fun to be the snide and sneery person. Yeah, that that's that's really. Yeah. I mean, it must exorcise something that's quite deep down inside me. Of, <laughs> um, that, that's quite the uh, judgmental um, element. Um, I, I, I can't I can't feel that when I'm in real life, but it must be there somewhere. Otherwise, I couldn't write Edie. Mm. But but really, I I am the the beaming, joyful, forgiving Sean. That's quite interesting. Then, so do you think in order to write a character, you have to have a little bit of yourself in them? I th- I think it's it's always interesting looking back on characters after creating them and going what what was going on in my life at that time that this came out. I I can't separate me from my books. There's so much has poured in. I am not any of my main characters in particular, but to do a convincing character, you don't have to have been in their situation necessarily, but I think you need tremendous empathy to be a writer um, and to be a reader, um, really, in order to be able to go, what is this person feeling and why? I, I have felt trauma and hurt and disaster and I can access those feelings. It's it's kind of like acting. You, you may not have been through the same journey as that character that you're playing on stage or on film, but you need to find the truth um, of whatever whatever they are to you at that time. So kind of a little bit, but also it's an exercise in just completely coming outside of me and, and going into somebody else. Um, it's a weird mm. mix that if you think about it too long, it gets quite kind of 
mystical and, and strange. <laughs> yeah. Are there any characters that have been really hard for you to give up? Like, I mean, Sean, I just want to move into my house and be <laughs> Mr. Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yes, I... I've done uh, short stories that will be in my weekly and the express uh, in the next mm. few weeks um, that are both Roz from murder on the Christmas express and Edie. Yeah. In a year's time, Edie. Oh, wow. But I will be returning to Edie in my next Christmas. Oh, uh, yay. I love, I love her and Sean so much. I couldn't, I couldn't let her go at all. And she, it's more, really? kind of, she wouldn't let me go. I've, I've, I've always had this, crone figure in every one of my books and I hadn't really realized there was going to be an advisor a mentor for all of my main characters someone who may be alive or dead but provides this um, essential foundational wisdom that the main character mm. goes to and and then I thought I clearly need that because I'm I'm externalizing it it's kind of like mm. a higher self or something but what if that figure was not the higher self but in some ways, a combination of the worst aspects of me, but it's still this <laughs> wise crone that Edie mm. is. She's got a lot of wisdom, but she just has <laughs> a very closed up way of expressing herself and being because she's been through so much trauma. Mm. Mm. I love the word crone so much. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's bring crone back. Oh God, I I think, I think everyone should be going. We need crone. Yeah, yeah. Crone's yeah. disease, but not like that. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, um, that's awful, but fun. One of the this, other um, one. This is another kind of one of the layers that I do just to amuse myself. The Christmas murder game is about a maiden becoming a mother. Murder on the Christmas Express is a mother becoming a crone, and then the Christmas Christmas jigsaw murders is the crone looking towards death but occupying her power. And there's mm. loads of references to Hecate and the three-part goddess, all through all three of them. But nobody else really knows that. So <laughs> That's oh, awesome. I love a little fact. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Bit of lore. Yeah, I was so excited when I opened the front page and saw the list of, like, challenges. When I got to the Fleetwood Mac one, I was like... <laughs> you're a, you're a yes. mess. Oh, yeah. Same. Same. I was going to yeah, say, you must be me. too. Yes, so much, exactly. So much. Uh, yeah. What's your favourite Fleetwood Mac song? This is a off-piece question. You see, that's it's always. I find it impossible when people say choose your top ten favourite anything. <laughs> I, I find it really, really difficult. Well, I don't. I, oh God, it's really hard. Also, when someone throws a question at you, and I always just forget every single. Like someone well, the other day said, like, who would you consider to be a classically beautiful actress? And I was like, I can't remember a single actress's name now. They've all gone. I don't know anything. No. I don't know anyone, I don't know my name anymore. What's an actress? <laughs> exactly, what a word. But uh, if it helps, my, the song I've probably been listening to the most of Fleetwood Mac of late, uh, Silver Springs. Oh, I love Silver Springs. Me too. Oh. Me too. Um, I, I it always it used heart. to be um, Go Your Own Way because I had an mm -hmm. awful relationship. But but now I'm finding the sort of more later Fleetwood Mac, um, Tango in the Night sort of era, it's Ooh. got more... Um, softness um, as well as heartbreak. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm entering my my tango phase. Oh, Love that. It's tango era. That <laughs> yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> Your chrome tango. tango era. <laughs> oh, festive chrome tango. <laughs> my God, that's like a dance on Strictly that we'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we should have asked you this before, oh. and then I got distracted by Fleetwood Mac. And, um, <laughs> we were discussing <laughs> characters. If you had to be a character 
from one of your books which one would you be mm. I think I, I I think I would like to be Edie and have that level of being able to say what you want and just not care yeah. Uh, yeah. I care so very deeply that 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 is quite the freedom that it would bring yeah I couldn't yeah. possibly hurt anyone's feelings though so uh I don't think I'd make a good Edie but but actually my <laughs> my first novel Stephen Killigan is a time traveler and mm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that facility yeah Hmm. Yeah. I mean I, I don't think I'd like to be him because he, he's he's going through some stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. But I, I would I would I'd like to be able to, to jump around in time at will once I'd learnt the whole process. Which is a yeah. first. So maybe I'd maybe <laughs> <laughs> And I think that would be excellent. I don't want to time travel. <laughs> Life is tiring, that's a really good point. Yeah. If you got given the power to time travel, where's the first place you would go in time? Um I mean I, it should be. I, I want to see Elizabeth the first ascend the throne, or um, mm. uh, I, I want to see what what Boudicca was really like. Um, but actually, ask how to pronounce her name. I know I get it goes through different <laughs> different incarnations, just like yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's probably wrong whatever I say. So let's just assume that. It sounded right. Yeah. I'm assuming you're right. Yeah. It would be watching me and my and now husband meet. Oh. And and seeing her the immediate reaction between us and how we were both incredibly shy and couldn't look at each other and didn't know what the other <laughs> one was feeling. So I'd probably I'd love to see what that looked like from the outside of, of yeah. two Cute. very shy autistic people falling in love. <laughs> oh. I want to see love that too. That sounds adorable. Yeah. <laughs> you also talked about when you were saying about your process that sometimes you write a sentence that you just love to read out loud, which ties in very nicely to a new question we've started asking, uh, which is, what's a line that you've written lately or from across your catalogue that you are especially proud of? Pride's quite a hard thing because yeah. I'm rarely proud of anything. I'm just... <laughs> oh. uh, but there, there's a section of the Christmas Jigsaw Murders that was really fun to write and is fun to read out. So I, well, I can't be proud. I can, I can um, be amused. Well, for the record, I think you have a lot to be proud of, but I understand. I, I too do therapy, so I understand <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. But please, I would love to hear it. Okay. Across the road, the anchor had, at some point in the 2010s, gone from spit and sawdust to Chenin Blanc and charcuterie boards. As it also provided free popcorn, Edie was all for it. But the bell still had a place in her coal-fired heart despite its gaudy Christmas decorations. She had pogoed to punk, bands and skanked to scar in here. Plus, the bell was quiet and that was what she needed tonight. I like pogoed to punk and skanked to scar. I yes. really like those things. That is yeah. brilliant. Look at that alliteration, I, the yeah, pogo yeah. punk. Yeah, I like that. Pow, pow, pow. Nice. But also, I mean, not to bring down the tone of what you just said, but I oh, also good. love a bar that serves popcorn. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> like there aren't enough on Eastbourne, but I, I, lo I love it when that happens. Yeah, a little treat. Right, so we're bringing back Crone, and yep. we're, we're making <laughs> another petition to bring popcorn to all bars. The popcorn pubs. Crone bar. Oh, Oh my I'd god, we need to kickstart this. <laughs> this, yes. is, this is what the people need. This is very Brighton, I think. Yes! <laughs> yes, and it's like a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cocktails. Mm. With puzzles in it! Oh, we can have reading corners everywhere. Oh, yes. And all the <sighs> okay. chairs made of shoes. <laughs> but comfortable. <laughs> so comfortable. Yeah. Wow. We just need to get a 
foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we know any billionaires? Disappointingly, no. no. Uh, really yeah. Mm. They're probably watching. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, I think yeah. you may grossly overestimate the calibre of crowd that Sarah and I attract, <laughs> uh, but you may very well bring a billionaire with you, I have no doubt. Well, maybe, it's yeah. Quality. Yeah. Worth a try, mm. very least. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, me too. God. And so going back to the mystery element of your crafting, and it comes very easy to you, obviously, but has there ever been a point when you've been writing a mystery where you're like, oh my God, I'm stuck. How the hell do I solve this mystery that I've created? Uh, when I first started writing, I didn't plan at all. I, I just properly pantsed is, is what I now know the term. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I just thought it was, I don't know. <laughs> and I would get stuck 30 40, 50, 55, 60, 60, all the way through oh. until it would come. And then at the end, I'd go, oh, yeah, of course. But by the, I'd, got, I'd go through a lot of pain before getting to that point. Whereas now I, I always know beginning, middle and end and sort of structural points along the way and twists. And sometimes I then change my mind and give it another twist one more time at the end just just to confuse things or myself anyway <laughs> or sometimes it, the merger sort of shifts around a bit and you go actually not quite as simple as that so only because I don't get stuck anymore but only because I plan and if I were stuck then I'd ask my editor or my agent and and they would even if they just said you'll get it it makes a big difference to not be sort of on your own in um, mm. which is really really hard when you're starting out writing it's the worst part is both having the impetus to get the words down, being ahead of a critic when there's no deadline is the worst thing. And there's no one really to turn to apart from other writers in a similar situation. And and I think that's really, really hard. What I liked mm. most about teaching at City during the MA was that I was there at those points for people when they hit that wall. I can I can give them questions that they then can go, all right, okay. And I don't give them any kind of solutions because it all needs to come from them. But sometimes it takes someone saying, yeah, but what about what's going on for this person? Or why are they doing mm. that? What happened? What's their ghost? What's their wound that means that they're acting like this? That can sometimes open up a solution. So I sometimes try and do that for myself. If I'm mm. having, I'm stuck, I will try and be the sort of coach in the corner asking questions. Oh. Yeah. Be your own coach. Yes. That's nice. Yeah. So obviously you are very busy with many different things. <laughs> Do you have time to read though? Are you a big reader? Do you not read as much as you wish you could? That one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a massive reader and I get nowhere near as much time as I would like. Uh, it cut down a lot again since I had Verity, my little girl. It, it any free time is now no no longer free. So yeah. once once she's in bed, then I I just tend to sit with and cuddle with my husband and dog and go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do read every day because I need to. Yeah. And in my new house, there's a little tiny book nook that I, <gasps> I think I'm, I think Aww. I'll be able to have. That I can disappear oh, into hopefully. Oh, yeah, amazing. get cozied up. Yeah. And do you read across genres, or are there one or two in particular that you're drawn to? Completely across genres. Uh, I I love crime, obviously horror, fantasy, 
uh, romance, literary fiction. I think it's only hard sci-fi that I wouldn't go to for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like I like science fantasy and I do like science fiction. No, I like them all. No. In that case, very interested to hear the answer to this question. What is the last book that you read and loved? Picking up my shoe. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to show you a shoe. I didn't just read the shoe. <laughs> it's back to Starling House I've by Alex E. Harrow. Ooh. And, uh, Beautiful cover. Uh, it's a gorgeous cover. It's an it's a absolutely gorgeous book. It's kind of gothic fairy tales, which is what I'm... <sighs> it's kind of in line with what I'm writing at the moment as an A.K. Benedict Ooh. book. But I also love um, Alex E. Harrow's books generally. She want, wrote The Once and Future Witches was her last book, which is <gasps> absolutely stunning. And also uh, The Ten Thousand Doors of January, which was the one before that. And it's kind of literary fantasy and is gothic and beautifully written and right up my street. Oh, brilliant. Sounds and amazing. The TBR, thank you. <laughs> the TBRs, <Yeah>. though. Oh. <sighs> Do you ever get through long. them? I'm just... No. No. Oh, never. my God, no. Thousands on there at this point. I mean, you must get <laughs> yeah. so, so many books. I can't even imagine. Yeah. We, we've <laughs> definitely started you. to get a lot more, yeah, which is amazing. You must get them too for blurbing yeah, yeah, and Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. And it feels really bad if I don't have time or space to do it. Particularly this yeah. time of year is really, really hard. Yes, mm. very much so. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because it's amazing <laughs> to get so many books. But then you're like, oh, I just haven't got the time to do it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, pesky needing money to live, ruining it's everything. Really it's really annoying. so unfair. Oh. And the billionaires. Yeah. We really do need to get some of them on board, don't we? That seems to be the answer. It'd be nice. However, all this doesn't stop me from, uh, I commute in and out of London two or three times a week. Ooh. And unfortunately... The massive foils has just reopened in Waterloo and they have already taken a lot of my money. And funnily (laughs) enough, a couple of weeks ago, I was browsing in there and I picked up Murder on the Christmas Express and was like, there's a December purchase. There you go. Yeah, they had it on the end display. (laughs) Yeah. Her purchase means more shoes are coming your way. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. Some shoes. (laughs) Oh, I feel so awful right now, Alexandra, oh, no. because we've been having such a lovely chat. But now I have to <laughs> confront you with a terrible truth. Oh, oh, okay, Frank. Okay, okay. <sighs> I really hate to bring the mood down oh. because it's been so. I say you're you're a really lovely person, so I, I'm shocked. Oh. I'm as shocked as anyone to hear this. I think you know what I'm talking about, Alexandra. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> playing it coy, are we? Okay. <laughs> well, unfortunately. Uh, Sarah and I have been made aware of the fact that you have committed uh, a terrible, heinous, awful crime. So terrible, so heinous, so disturbing in nature that it has resulted in you being sentenced to death. (laughs) I was hoping that you wouldn't notice that. (laughs) Nothing gets past Frankie. The stripy top is that of a a, a thief. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So first and foremost, um, Alexandra Benedict, what... Crime have you committed? Confess your sins. Um, I, I, uh, I've killed all the bad people, all of them. Oh, oh yeah, well, great. All of, all of them. You've been busy. I, I've killed every predatory male. Wow. Yeah. Oh that. man. Yeah. So you had like a, a Christmas. You had like a Santa Claus naughty list, yeah. and you yeah. used that. Yeah. I feel really bad about the whole death penalty thing now because that sounds pretty noble to well, me. Well, that's, that's the problem with uh, a morality code of this kind, isn't it? 
where um, Tricky. Kind of Krampus style killing of the <laughs> evil um, is punished. You know? mm. Really unfair. And I, I'm it is. Sad I'm not allowed to stay around to debate this at more length. Mm. Me too. But in my head now, you mentioned Krampus. So you threw the men in a sack and carried them away. <laughs> 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 Beat them with sticks yeah. and he had a very long tongue. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I'm sure for the record, Sarah and I completely on board with it. Congratulations. Mm. Loving your work. Uh, unfortunately, the courts did not feel that way. And uh, they it's, men, uh, aren't they? Exactly. They're, now, they're next on the list. They would have been. Yeah. It would have been if you yeah. Yeah, would have got away with it too, if it wasn't you pesky men. <laughs> but hey, it's not all bad news, uh, Alexandra, because the good news is we will bring to you the death row meal of your dreams. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. So what what's it going to be? What's your order? I've thought a lot about this. I spend far too much time listening to off-menu podcasts. Oh, and, me too. and also imagining my off-menu. And I still haven't... Covered or bread. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mince pies or Christmas cake. Um, oh. I... I still find it hard to choose. So I, but I, today, because I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do it, what, what it is today. What I would yeah. really like is the very best fish and chips in the world. Um, very, very best with some baked beans on the side and Kerrygold buttered white bread, <sighs> yes. uh, salt vinegar in, in paper and some kind of hacksaw inside it. <laughs> okay. Might make it a little hard to swallow. Um, I mean, but... That'd be my choice before they got me, wouldn't it? Very true. Yeah. Do you know what? You, you made a good point. But let's just talk a bit more when you say the best yeah. fish and chips. So, what to you is the best? Mm. What def- what defines that for you? There's a um, a little fish and chip shop in Hastings. In the I've forgotten what it's called. I think it's a woman's name, but I can't remember her name. Hmm. Uh, oh. And it's on the beach, the fishing beach in Hastings. And the fish come in straight that day. And it's somehow always perfect and pearlescent. And the batter is incredibly crispy. None of it is soggy in any way. Oh. And it crunches like the best chocolate snap as, as you oh. break into it. And the chips are triple cooked, but they're very soft and not not too crunchy either. Mm. Um, and you look out to sea while doing that. So I don't know if that's possible while in death row. It seems unlikely. But maybe no, we'll sort it. it. Yeah, we'll, we'll sort right. it. Yeah. yeah, that's the least we could do right. after your noble work in killing all the bad men. into killing. Yeah. I know. I've always said that I think if, you're, if your crime is clever mm. or industrious mm. enough that you should get a few passes. Absolutely. I do believe that. Commitment yeah. should be rewarded. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I really like that. And is there a drink to go with this um, for you? I, I think I'd probably at that point go, I'll have some fizzy wine because I won't need the Rennies because I'm going to die. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, also, yep. um, a Pepsi Max. Oh, yes. Frankie. <laughs> you are speaking my language. Yeah, this <laughs> is good. I like a cherry Pepsi Max, but... I, 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 I like, Pepsi Max I like well. cherry Pepsi Max too very much. That's always there, mm. and the caffeine-free one for later in the day. Uh, but <sighs> the the proper, you know, I have to turn to my Pepsi Max. Okay, and a strong mug of tea as well. I'm I'm a three drink uh, person. I love that. Got to stay hydrated. Very important. Very hydrated. Extremely. Yeah. yeah. And I don't need won't need to go to the toilet. So 
No, mm-hmm. if anything, you want to give a show on the way out, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. <laughs> everything. Yeah, that's what you get. My effluvia. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Great, great choices. You are Ooh. you're my kind of person. Oh, I know. Like I can tell. Okay. Well, what a scene. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, sad news. Oh. Um, the worst has happened. You're no longer here. However, <laughs> Sarah's delivery of that line always just cracks me up because she just has no emotion in her whatsoever. Oh well, you are dead. Oh, oh well, moving on. Is That's I luck. try to get more empathetic as we go anyway. <laughs> mm. But good news, we will bury you with the book of your choice. What book are you taking with you? I I did think it would be a Dickens to start with, something nice and sort of mm. cozy, a kind of teddy bear of a of a tome to, to have upon my chest held here. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I love uh, Mr. Dickens. Not his actions, but his words. <laughs> but there was there's a an anth- poetry anthology called Staying Alive by Blood Axe Books, and it contains lots of life advice and death advice, usually for someone oh. who's, you're mourning someone. And I would be kind of mourning my own loss of life. So if I was in a state to be able to read the book, I'd probably need some guidance of some kind. So mm. that's what I would choose. Oh, Practical. I That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds really mm. good. They, they've got three yeah. in the series and they're all brilliant poets that look at life, love, loss. You know, the biggies. Oh, yeah. Mm. Those, are, those are big. Wow. <laughs> oh, Alexandra. I'm so sorry you're dead because it's been so bloody lovely chatting oh, to you. Oh, at least I went out on a high. You sure did. You really did. <laughs> Imagine the show you're putting on. <laughs> you're all welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So where can people follow you online? Probably best uh, at, well, go for Instagram these days, which is uh, a.k.benedict. I am on Twitter, which is still Twitter, at ak underscore benedict. And I've got a, a Facebook page uh, for Alexandra, AK Benedict, but no one's on it. So don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I do loads of things on Instagram. Fantastic. Excellent. There are some good shoe pictures on there, people listening, I have to say. I Go was about shoes. to ask. <laughs> yes. And Frankie, where can people find us on social media? Yeah. She got in there first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can follow us at Red and Berry Podcast on pretty much all of them, apart from TikTok. Uh, or you can email us at redandberrypodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at redandberrypodcast.com. We're everywhere. <laughs> we are everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Alexandra, it's been truly a joy to have you on. A Christmas treat mm-hmm. and beyond. Yeah. So the book is out now, isn't it? So everyone can go and get multiple copies for all their friends and family for Christmas. Oh, so many. So many copies. Mm-hmm. So many. Um, of all, all three of my Christmas books make lovely presents. Yes. What I think is best about this one is I feel like you could give a gift of a jigsaw puzzle and the book, and it's like a gift and a mild threat all in one. <laughs> and that's what we like to do at Christmas. Yes. 100%. Yes. Never want anyone to feel too comfortable. <laughs> no. no. Christmas. <laughs> Keep them wondering about your intentions. That's where power lies. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> We're doing some important work here today, everyone. I really feel we've made some really good progress. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon with more in, in very important advice and <laughs> words from authors very soon. Uh, Alexandra, we never know how to end the podcast. We're terrible at it. How should we do it? Um, I think uh, that I should say... <laughs> 
Um, and then you should all say goodbye in uh, a strange and Muppet-like way. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, you go. You okay? You go first, and then we'll. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> in the existence of X-Files podcasts, then the truth is in here. I'm Tony. I'm Sarah. I'm Carl. And I'm Armal Drake. And the X-Cast is devoted to all things X-Files, such as in-depth episode discussions. I love the eighth season being like, no, you're saying goodbye. And that's something pop culture doesn't do enough. Interviews with many of the cast and crew from the show. I had to audition repeatedly. I mean, I went in... I read for Chris and Frank, uh, or I think, I, no, I first I read for the casting director, Rick, and then I made it past that hurdle and read for Chris and Frank, had a lovely meeting with them. And special roundtable chats, commentaries, and fun bonus episodes. But this, this, is, this is great, Mulder just having no idea what's going on. On this beautiful boat with people yeah. not really speaking uh, English. You can find us on the We Made This Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast players. We'll see you in the basement. But until then, trust no one.